Welcome back to the Love Your 9 to 5 show, episode number 7. Caution, you will begin to love your 9 to 5 with this show. Join us as we explore and discover your unique strengths and learn to apply them to your daily business activities with your host, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this next episode of the Love Your 9 to 5 show where we share with you our conversations with today's leading businessmen and women who have found their own superpowers and have helped others find theirs as well. They have successfully applied them to their personal and to their business lives. My guest today is executive coach, sales trainer, and the president of the Lieberman Group, nationally sought-after sales trainer, uh, Adam Lieberman. Adam, thank you for joining us today. I just want to say before we get started, I really enjoyed the interview that you've had on the WABC Biz Radio show, Mind Your Business, um, that really was very, very informational and inspirational. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Sure. Adam, just before we get started, I always like for our listeners to know a little bit who we're speaking with today. If you don't mind just telling us a little bit more about yourself personally, give us a brief synopsis of your career personally and professionally so we understand a little bit your background, if you don't mind. Sure, Mike. Dan, my name is Adam Lieberman. I've been doing sales training, business coaching, corporate consulting, keynote speeches for the last 25 years. Uh, my background is in helping people uh, in sales to either start their career in sales, to learn the skills and techniques to become better salespeople, or to take a good salesperson and make them into a great salesperson. Um, on the corporate level, I work with companies in an array of industries and different spectrum of business models that they're in and I help them develop, you know, right strategic approaches to either expand the business, grow the business, how to hire, how to motivate, how to lead a team. And the third thing I do is help people really go to find what career they may want to go into, specifically people of different backgrounds and skill sets and things that come to them nationally easily. And we try to find a career for them that best suits their personality um, and the God-given talents that they have. Excellent. Thank you very much for that very complete uh, overview. Um, our listener are, is somebody who is successful in their career, yet finding a lack of contentment in what they do. And they're looking to apply their skills to a career or a business that is more suited to their particular strengths. So I think this would fit more into the third uh, aspect, the third project that you work on. So based you know, on your experience, what would you say for starters for someone who's trying to figure out and they're trying to find what their unique skills and are and you know what their perhaps what their superpowers are and which direction to go in? What would you say is the very first step that they need to take? The first thing, candidly, is to recognize that most people that have a unique talent um, don't realize just how unique it is. Meaning that something naturally comes easy to people. Uh, people are blessed with different things that they're good at, that they have naturally gifted in, things that they have a, a strong suit in, and other things that don't come so easily. And the biggest challenge I have when I coach people is that things that naturally come e easy to them and they really are, have, have, have a desire for, they really think, what's the big deal? You know, they don't really give it the credit it deserves. The thing to do when you want to find your, so to speak, life purpose and to find, you know, something within a career industry that's going to speak to you is the number one thing is to recognize what do you have as a person 
that you have that's unique, that is your DNA. Like we have a spiritual DNA, things right now that you have from birth, but that allows you to go ahead and channel, use, focus on, and cannily floor your gift, birth, your gift from birth, your natural spiritual DNA into a career that actually pay you for it. Okay, excellent for that, Adam. Uh, I know the audio was breaking up a little bit, but just so we can understand, let me just repeat a little bit what you said, and that is that many of us are blessed with our unique talents and our unique skills, uh, and many of us dismiss it because we think that the things that come to us naturally and easily are nothing to be proud of, and they're not. They're nothing special. We assume that you know that the talents must be out there, and somehow we kind of ignore those things. And like you're saying from your experience, you've found that sometimes those are the very things that we really should be pursuing. The follow-up question would be, if that is the case, and we do so easily dismiss uh, that which really might be our strong points, how do we go about and honing in and kind of figuring out what that is if we naturally dismiss well, it? Thing is, yeah, well, the thing, the thing is there's naturally things when you were younger, you know, when you were real young, you know, three, four, five, six, seven years old, things you enjoyed doing that when you thought about, and you did. Some people naturally inclined to work with their hands. Some people can take something that came, you know, in a box, you know, and be able to build it without instructions. Other people need three days to build the same thing. Some people right now are gifted in so many ways. We can spend forever talking about different gifts people have and the way that they're talented, but people in your audience to understand that people are good in certain things naturally and other things right now, they lack that talent. So the first thing is you don't need to be a you know, rocket scientist or spend a lot of time with the coach to figure it out. Just think about things right now and write them down, talents and things you enjoy doing, you know, whether it's speaking, the arts, or writing, mathematics, you know, working with your hands, you know, working inside, working outside. So many things that people naturally gear towards that they like. That's the first thing. Awesome. The second thing you should do, the second thing to do is there are so many professions out there. There are literally hundreds of professions. And when I speak to people about, you know, profession, a lot of times I find two big blocks they have. Number one, they don't even know what's available because either it's their first job or they're not that exposed to the workplace or different industries that are out there. And the second thing, they have a preconceived notion within that job or career or profession or industry what that means. So, for example, go back to my example before, Let's say somebody, you know, uh, is naturally very, you know, is, is, is very expressive and very outgoing, right? Okay. And they like to, they're the more an outgoing personality. Right. And their job all day, all day is just, let's make the extreme example, to work on an assembly line all day long doing a job that's monotonous. Now, people sometimes have the opposite personality. They're more introvert. They're more quiet. They want things without using a lot of mental brain power. They really want to just really go to their job and do things that don't require a lot of mental exertion. And they're more introvert. So if somebody right now that's outgoing, more personal, like, like to speak and be with people, and they're in a job right now that's a monotonous job, right, where they're by themselves, they're working in a cubicle, they're doing data entry, they're working on a, on a proverbial assembly line, what happens is they can't be happy. Because their personality is such right now that they take the job, a career and a job that doesn't allow them to use the talent they have. So after work, they need to express themselves. And unfortunately, people not to, but people sometimes they have poor um, personal relationships, whether family or friends or, or coworkers. A lot of times, what happens is they are so constricted during their nine to five job because they're doing something right now that goes against their core personality and their core strength 
and a core skill set that when they leave that, they have to express themselves differently. So when someone may want to have a quiet conversation after they come home from work, this person right now has been in their world cooped up all day. They haven't been able to express themselves. They're going to be out there, you know, running around and doing things right now instead of being in where they need to be. So the point is not to lose track of that when you find a career and industry, within that industry, there could be many different facets of that industry that allows you to go ahead and be expressive or be in or be, you know, uh, focused to be, you know, not using your, not using your mind all day. So don't have a preconceived notion of the industry or job within that job. You may find something right now that best suits your personality. Awesome. Awesome. I think the best analogy, uh, for that example would be kids coming home from school, which maybe not everyone feels, um, you know, that that would be the, you know, they're all cooped up and they come home. And, you know, when the adults do it, we don't find it as humorous. Um, but that's really can right. be a very simple and basic explanation for why that can really be the case because of that misfit. So we got step number one is to go back to our youth and to look at the activities that we enjoyed naturally. And now in our adult life, we should realize that nothing changed. Those are still the same things that we enjoy. Number two is the profession that we're looking for is out there. There is a profession that fits our skill set. And if we're not content, chances are that we're doing something now that um, that is not a perfect fit or it's not even a good fit, perhaps a very poor fit for what we're doing. Now, that that is something that's very illuminating because some people feel like, okay, I'm, you know, there's an accountant, lawyer, and I could work, you know, I could work as an hourly um, as an hourly employee, but if none of those things work for me, I'm just going to have to accept it. I think that's where this comes from, where we just accept that it's okay and we work because we have to, and we don't feel like it's a, it right. can ever be a good fit. So, so yeah. So, so right, but I'm gonna give I'm gonna I'm gonna give you, I'm, right, I'm gonna give you a, a, a nuance, which could be a game changing nuance, um, in terms of how to approach this. And you give bring it up to me. the you bring up the you bring up bring up a lawyer, right? So I work with people in the past that say somebody grew up in a very um, creative household, right? And they're creative genes. Mm-hmm. And let's say parents were musicians and someone else was a writer and they had a thirst for law for whatever reason, right? And they're very creative. Well, they become a lawyer. And within the law, and I'll explain to you in a moment what I mean by this, there are so many different um, nuances and so many different ways to actualize your law degree. Specifically, somebody right now that is creative and outgoing, if this same person became a lawyer, right, and they spend their entire time doing research and writing up, you know, memorandums and writing up motions, that's what they did the entire time. Well, they can be creative to some degree because they're writing, but most people will tell you right now they're not enjoying how they felt they were going to be enjoying being a lawyer. You take the same exact person in the same firm, and you change their job title. Their job title is to go ahead and, you know, to make arguments, you know, in, in, in court. Their job is to make the PowerPoint presentation for the jury. They're, they're ones out there going ahead and looking at creative ways how to come up with a nuance to a case. The point is, even within the law, there's something right now that allows you to actualize and feel good and reach your potential and use your gift from birth if you're introvert and quiet and not so creative. And the same law allows you to do the opposite. What happens many times, people are within a profession. Every industry, every company has it. Pick any company out there, they have different departments, right? There's marketing departments, and there's a sales department, and there's a research and development department, mm-hmm. and there's an accounting department, and there's an administrative department, and there's an HR department. Inside the same industry, right, inside the same company, you can be selling widgets, 
But within that, you have different departments. Well, every profession has different departments within as well once you break it down to the granular level. So someone has a thirst for law, a thirst for medicine, a thirst for numbers, or a desire for this. Many times, if they're not being fulfilled, it literally means don't change your career. Don't do what you said before and say, well, everyone's got to work hard and no one's going to like their job anyway. And might as well go ahead and suck it up and, you know, get my nine to five, uh, you know, paycheck. The third option is to go ahead and say, okay, I'm in a career. Part of it I like a lot, but let me change a little bit. Don't change 180 degrees. Let me change 10 degrees. Stay within my universe that I'm skilled in, that I'm talented in, that I've learned, that I have a degree in, but change my description of what I'm doing every day, and you may be able to find a paradise situation inside of something right now that's very constricting. That is absolutely awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that because – as we go along this journey, I'm sure listeners are thinking that, okay, I figured out, you know, I did my homework. This is, you know, I was, I'm in one profession and my natural strengths are in another, what I perceive to be another profession. I've spent X number of years, thousands of dollars investing and moving to a place and developing, you know, all my relationships. And now I'm just going to drop that all to become something else. And what you're saying is so reassuring exactly. is that no, in every single industry, you can stay exactly where you are. And just put a focus, you know, either you, you may have to change a position, but not necessarily. You may just reshift your focus to whatever it is that you're naturally inclined towards doing anyway. And then you can find the real source of fulfillment. So that, so that is really awesome. That's, 100%. 100%. Wow. And I, I tell people in the past, you know, don't chuck it, channel it. You know, don't don't change it. Don't, don't do a 180. You don't have to change it. You don't have to throw it out, you know, in the gutter. You're almost home, right? But find a way within that, and you'd be amazing. Go back to music. Some people right now that love music. Well, if they're introvert and they're shy and they don't have the time to be in front of an audience, well, my gosh, performing in front of a you know a crowd of a thousand people is not going to be paradise for you. But maybe being the composer for the music, being behind the scenes, or being the one that promotes the guy that's going to be in front, or being the one right now that finds out how to market the music. Same industry. But don't go out of your way to do something right now that's going to literally constrict you and go against your core personality. People have a very big misconception. And it's a big thing, you know. When you uh-huh. talk about how much effort to put in, how much effort to put in for your career, and you hear someone saying, well, it's going to be tough and it's going to be hard. And people always have that decision to make, you know, well, how much do I have to fight through my, 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 um, my, non-liking something, right? How much does it fight through my, my core distaste for something and how much something right now that just is not my purpose? For example, somebody right now that, you know, doesn't like to study or, you know, has a hard time going through something, but they have a, a desire to get the law license and they go to study and they're up nights and they're still challenging, it doesn't mean you stop doing it. In that case, you may have to push yourself a little bit further through something that can be through a discomfort. On the same token, though, someone right now that has no interest in knitting or sewing or cooking or numbers, it doesn't mean you have to go ahead and push yourself every day to take a math course and know how to balance a checkbook or to know how to go ahead and cook dinner for everybody. It may just be right now there's something right now you really – and there's a line between when to go ahead and not be concerned that you're not going to push yourself and other times push yourself to go out of, outside your comfort zone. I will tell you, some people have a lot of guilt. They feel like right now they don't feel good about themselves. They say, listen, if I don't push myself in an area that doesn't come easy to me, that means that I, I, I'm giving up and I don't want that enough and I need to push myself. Right. That would be true for a lot of things. But for many, many, many things, people uh, think of themselves because they know 
that if they give up or they should push themselves, you know, you know, all beginnings are hard and things naturally are hard. Hold on, just just because just because uh, just because the audio is just a little bit choppy. So let me just make sure that the listeners were able to get that last piece. Um, from what I understood, um, you were saying that if someone's in an industry and there's a certain part of the industry or a certain part of their responsibility which seems to go against the grain of what they are naturally, so instead of um, instead of adopting the martyr syndrome sort of and saying that okay this is my responsibility and this is this is why i earn my paycheck because i'm doing the things that are hard for me and let me focus on, in on that as opposed to working on my strengths it doesn't necessarily have to be that way it's okay to do the things that work well naturally and only do the things that are difficult to the extent that i absolutely must is that what you were saying uh, yes it was inside your job but also there's people right now that say okay listen i need to get a job and they pick something right now um, that, you know, it doesn't speak to them at all, or they think it may speak to them. So, for example, again, being a lawyer, some, that's a lawyer that, you know, is more, thinks he wants to be a lawyer, and he studies, and he has a hard time for the test, but he wants to be a lawyer, he goes through it, and then he goes ahead and he takes on the responsibility, and it just simply doesn't, he doesn't connect with it, and he doesn't, he's not, he's not enjoying himself. At that point, there's a fine line to decide. Do I continue to go ahead and push myself because it is what I'm meant to be doing and it is something that is my calling, so to speak, and I know I will enjoy it, but there's bumps in the road and I got to, you know, I got to man up, so to speak, and push myself and not be concerned right now to be bumps in the road. I'm going to go to my comfort zone and, and succeed. That's fine. It's when it crosses over and you have the same mantra and something right now that you shouldn't be focusing on, right? And, and the expression is, no matter how hard you run east looking for a sunset, you're not going to find it. You can be focused and dedicated and committed and wake up early. You run east looking for a sunset <laughs> all day long, you're not going to find it. Right. Meaning, ultimately, sometimes things are not just what you should be doing. So if somebody right now doesn't have a desire for numbers, yet they really have a desire to go ahead and be in a number business, well, at one point, you may want to reevaluate where you're headed. That's all. Got it. Got it. So there's a point where, where we say, okay, this was a mistake. There, there is a point where you do cut your losses, and we do say, you know what, it, that was a bad decision. And it doesn't mean that every single personality uh, will fit into every job, even though there's a level of flexibility within every profession. But there, there is a point where, you know, perhaps someone made a mistake based you know, based on lack of information or whatever, any other factor that could have affected that decision and where, the, where then it is appropriate to say, you know what, let's cut the losses and move forward. Did I understand correct. that correctly? And if I end up saying right now, 100%, and if I end up saying, by the way, you said it very well, and I'm saying right now, you know, there's nothing about my job that I like, nothing, and every day I dread it and the clock goes backwards and, and I go there and, and it seems like every minute seems like two hours and it happens day after day and there's nothing redeeming about it. Well, yeah, then you have to reevaluate your company, your, your boss, the industry you picked, the career path you're on, 100%. But if you go to your job and say, listen, half the stuff I like, other half I don't like, then you have to decide at that point to continue to push yourself through the things you don't like because you have responsibility not to give up on things right now that are a little bit challenging. That makes sense, right? right you go to the gym, you want to lose 30 pounds. We're not going to lose 30 pounds overnight, and the next day your muscles will be sore, and you will be, you know, achy. Well, that doesn't mean it's the wrong approach. It means that's the initial process. It's going to be difficult, and you can continue to march on and do it. On the same token, if you, you know, are, um, you know, uh, if, if you're five foot one and you want to be an NBA, you know, championship basketball player, you, you know, not that you can't do it, right. but, but you may want to pick something right now that's better suited to what you naturally skilled at. That's all. Got it. 
Um, Adam, if you don't mind sharing with us, going back to, perhaps to your early days, or if you want, if you're more comfortable with a client's early days, of an example of someone who perhaps was in a line of business that was not a good fit for them, someone who came to that realization that you know this either was the wrong business completely, or it was just something needed to be tweaked within that industry. Um, and then made the change and really saw some great results. Have you had that experience yourself or perhaps with one of your clients? I, I, I can tell you one, one of the stories that, that I often tell because it, because it really brings the point home because there's a fine line between when to give up and when to march on. And this is an, an older story, but it's still very powerful today. Go for Federal it. Express, FedEx, FedEx now, you know, uh, you know, it's a famous story that the Fred Smith, who founded and started Federal Express, he had this concept for overnight delivery for the masses. It was a concept in the 70s, and he believed in it. Why it would be so needed? And he wrote this thesis paper up in college, and the story goes he got a C-plus on this concept, you know, for the Federal Express concept, and his professor didn't like it. And the first lesson there is almost someone right now uh, that seemingly that runs the business department for a college would know the best thing about someone's new business he gave the paper a C plus and ended up being one of the biggest success stories of all time in modern business. So first lesson is just because somebody says something can't be done is not a, a proof that that's something you should give up on. But he continues to build Federal Express and people told him it wasn't going to work and he fought through the challenges and he did it. In the 1980s, mm-hmm. fax machines first first came out and they you know when it first came out in the 80s, a fax machine was very very bulky. It was the size of uh, half the size of a copy machine. Mm-hmm. and it wasn't in scale yet. It was very expensive to buy, and no businesses would buy them because they were too expensive unless you know you were a very large corporation. So right. we started a new business, Federal Express did, called Zap Mail, Z-A-P, Zap Mail, mm-hmm. Fast Mail, Zap Mail. And its concept was to go ahead and to take these fax machines, these large, you know, bulky pieces of equipment, and to put them in various spots around the country, and someone will come with a document, They'll go ahead and give it to this Zap Mail representative behind the counter, and they would take this document. Instead of getting Federal Express, which is overnight, they can get Zap Mail. They would actually take this mail. Today, it's now <laughs> so commonplace. Of course, now you have email a document, but you right. know, 15 years ago, you had a fax machine. You can take this document, fax it anywhere in the world, and it came out on the other end as a document. Well, before it became you know, so inexpensive, people that have their own had this concept called Zap Mail. Anyway, he built a business. He's invest millions and millions and millions of dollars into this new division of Federal Express. Okay. And people told him once again, it's not going to work. And all the reasons why it wasn't going to work were the same things they heard at Federal Express when he first started. People weren't interested in same-day documents. People were interested in paying a premium for it. Heard that about overnight delivery. People didn't want to spend money for overnight delivery. It wasn't a needed business. And he kept being the same rejection, but he said, listen, <laughs> you were wrong the first time, and I proved you wrong. I did it a second time. Anyway, as he kept investing millions into this new you know, in this new division, the the scale of fax machines changed dramatically. Prices came down, volume went up. You know, the the, the affordability changed dramatically. And the start of five years, what was a four thousand dollar piece of equipment became a thousand dollar piece of equipment, and then less from there. So we slowly had to realize right now that that mail that was this you know great intervention, as became commonplace for industries and businesses to have their own fax machine, became on the borderline becoming obsolete. So okay. had a major meeting with all his shareholders and his employees, and he came with the following, uh, you know, bottom line. He said the following. He said, you know, 
just what I told you, when I started from the Federal Express, people said it wasn't possible, couldn't be done, it wasn't needed, and we built this massive, you know, Fortune 500 company. I started that mail, heard the same naysayers, and I was convinced it's going to work. And the next line, I think, is a game changer and specifically answers your question. Okay, give it to us. He said in business, he goes in, he said in business and in life, there's a very fine line between persistence and stubbornness. Awesome. A very fine line between persistence and stubbornness. And he says, unfortunately, I didn't see where the line crossed. I was persistent, and then I realized this industry was going a different direction. The same concept of Federal Express was not analogous to that mail, and I became stubborn. I didn't see the proverbial writing on the wall, and I invested too much money and stayed in too long than I should have. So in business is the same way. You know, are you starting a career right now and you feel like you're a Federal Express and, and people tell you you can't do what you shouldn't be doing, it's not the right thing, but you, you believe in enough, you're going to march on? Or are you going to be stubborn when there's so much anecdotal evidence right now that it's not going to work out? That's something right now that you need to get business consultants and a friend and, and advisors maybe to help you navigate that. But ultimately in business and in life and in finding a career that makes sense for you, you know, you trust your gut, go with what you think makes the most sense, learn all you can. And then as you get new data and you get new information, if you change your, your course, it's okay because the greatest winners in business and success stories, you know, they succeed now, but they can tell you, you know, five or 10 or 15 things that didn't work out, they got, got them there. So if you keep that in mind, you won't have such a big concern and you won't see yourself as quitting. You see yourself as just redirecting your talent. Awesome. I mean, that is such a powerful story and it kind of touches on every single point that we've discussed today from finding what works, you know, and persisting and, um, and, you know, and not getting too stubborn when the time comes and when you realize it's time to call it quits. Um, Adam, I really appreciate your time today before uh, you've shared so much uh, valuable advice for all of our listeners who are, you know, in, in their careers being successful, not feeling content and we have some really practical action items to take in order for us to get more in touch with our natural gifts and to make any adjustments if necessary um, to reach that level of contentment. Uh, one final question before we get your contact information and we sign off. Um, if there is one business book, and I know there are so many great business books on personal development and business coaching, but if there's just one that you would recommend for the audience to continue down this path, finding out what it is that is their unique strengths and capabilities or superpowers and finding out how to apply them, what is that one book that you would recommend? So I, I will give you a recommendation in a moment, but you know, you're not going to like my, my direct answer. Most people don't like my direct answer uh -oh. because it's not what they want to hear. But, but the answer <laughs> is, you know, there, you know, and just, just like, you know, I'm fond of saying, although I've been a sales trainer for 25 years, I said sales training doesn't work and sales books don't work. They don't work. In the same way, diet books don't work. You know, nobody wants to hear, you know, you know, eat less and exercise. They don't want to. They, they want to hear the grapefruit diet, the thumb diet, the walking diet, the stand your head in the corner diet. They want to hear things right now that are easy, right, than just eating less, eating the right kind of food and exercising. So those things are not true. There's no tricks. Thing. <laughs> no, the thing is, everything, everything out there, a, a person, listen, the example like this. If you go into a gym, any health club around the country, right, mm -hmm. um, every health club will sign up every single month, 20, 30, 40, 50 new members a month. You go to Gold's Gym and Bally's Gym and all these gyms around the country right. sign up people month after month after month. They sign up 30, 50 people a month. And I ask people one direct question. They never build a single new locker. 
how do you have a business right now that signs up people month after month after month? Because we signed people up in January to eight people, in February to eight people. You have 60 people, then 90 people, and 120 people. The year to year, a thousand members and 2,000 members. No the business could possibly accommodate that kind of growth unless you expand your facility. Right. But health clubs know it all too often. They have 30 new members and 29 and a half don't show up, right? So the reason is everything is there. If you want to lose 30 pounds, they will tell you, all things being equal, you give us three, four months, you can do it. We'll give you the best equipment. We'll give you a personal trainer. We'll give you the best exercises. We'll give you the best environment. You can really do it. But we can't do the workout. We can't break the sweat for you. So people feel like I get a personal trainer, I get my new gym shoes, I get my new sweatshirt, I get my new this, my new gym bag, my gold membership, I'm going to go there, great equipment, all this modern stuff. Well, nothing has been invented right now to, to break a sweat for you. you know? So awesome. ultimately, you have to go ahead and break the sweat yourself, right? So therefore, diet books and sales books and career books and success books, they do not work. Now, just like a personal trainer, yeah, he can take your exercise and, and, and make it be 10 times better, 100%. He can take, listen, don't do the exercise this way, do it this way. The results will be much better, 100%. So personal trainer, personal coach could take what you're doing and make it better. Now, it, last time it, I checked, can, Adam, I thought that was one of the things that you do. Again, I, <laughs> a personal trainer, like a sales trainer, no, like a sales trainer and a personal trainer and a business coach can take what you're doing currently as a sales trainer. If you're doing X, Got X it. in sales is doing something. It's making right. a lot of phone calls. It's being persistent. It's following up on leads. You do that, then yes, sales training is phenomenal. In my opinion, it can make you go from good to great. It can right. increase your income by tenfold. I believe it wholeheartedly. A personal trainer, right? People in sports have two coaches. Why? And the higher you go up in athletics and in the arts and, and, and in business, you have one or two or three coaches helping you along the way. Coaching is great. Trainers are great. But ultimately, you can't take the place of your effort. So when people look for a book or, or, or a secret or one line to help you, it doesn't exist. So therefore, it can't do the effort for you. But if you want to do the effort, then yes, the training and the books and the diets and the right kind of concept could make it go on steroids, make you succeed much quicker, much happier, you know, and, and, and much better results, 100%. Awesome. With that preamble, there's a handful of books out there that are fantastic, you know, and, and whether in sales, there's sales books out there that are great written, you know, by Tom Hopkins, great sales books, written by Zig Ziglar, great sales books. There's a book called The Little Red Book of Selling, great sales books. But again, nothing, nothing. I would rather take a guy that has no books and no training and nothing, but it's going to work hard, or is a guy that's going to work not hard of all the training in the world. I'll take the first guy, hundred, not even, not even a question of it. I'll take that guy any day of the week. Awesome. So ultimately, you're going to find what works, and you find what the right technique for yourself. You put the effort in, the books and the and the things out there, they'll come to you. You, you can write your own book. You work hard enough, and you put the effort in. You'll know what works instinctively, what works. All right, Adam, you're going to write the forward to the book. We have a deal. That is such a fantastic answer. I really appreciate that. Um, That is so different from everything that's out there because a lot of the advice that's out there are people really promoting themselves. And what you're giving is so genuine and it's so authentic. And that is the reason why it is so refreshing. So thank you so much for sharing that. If the listeners want to get a hold of you and find out more about you and your company, what is the best way for them to reach you? The best way is through email. It's A Lieberman one two three at AOL A L I E B E R M A N one two three at AOL dot com. Okay, excellent. 
Thank you so much, Adam. Again, uh, my guest today is Adam Lieberman. He is the ex- executive and business coach, and as well as the nationally sought-after sales trainer. And Adam, it's been really an honor to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, and I look forward to continuing this conversation another time. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, well, well. I hope you have enjoyed this episode as much as I have. I do need to share my apologies for the less than perfect audio quality in this episode. However, I was only able to get Adam on the cell phone, and we really did our best to ensure that you would receive the best possible audio quality. As always, if you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and subscribe to our show. This will help iTunes share our show with others who are interested in the show. One final point, some exciting news. For those who have been following the recent episodes, you will hear several guests referring to and recommending the book entitled The Go-Giver, co-authored by Bob Berg. I read the book based on those recommendations and the sequel. I really connected with the content on a deep level. I'm excited to share with you that we will be sharing my interview with Bob Berg on next week's episode. So make sure not to miss that one. Looking forward to seeing you there in next week's episode. And until then, I wish you continued success in defining your unique passion and finding the best avenue to express it. (laughs) 